0: Rolling Stone magazine is now reporting that according to eight employees, Fox News kept an oppo file on Tucker Carlson, an oppo file. They were doing opposition research on their own anchor, Tucker Carlson. Irina Briganti in Fox News' communications department allegedly kept an aggressively personal file on Tucker Carlson to make certain He wouldn't scorch the corporation if he ever got fired. Rolling Stone reports that Fox News had evidence that Tucker Carlson created a hostile work environment. Gee, what a surprise. A hostile work environment where the C word was thrown around like candy beaten out of a female piñata. In other words, Fox News was fully aware that Tucker Carlson was an abusive boss. He was making people's lives miserable. And instead of saying, we need to stop Tucker Carlson's workplace harassment, Fox News said, great, now we have something on him. The Wall Street Journal is reporting that Fox News fired Tucker Carlson primarily because evidence handed over to Dominion's lawyers during the discovery phase of the trial revealed in Tucker's text messages that he had a propensity towards referring to one of the top female bosses at Fox as a C-word. Supposedly, that's one of the reasons he got fired. The head of Fox News had no problem With Tucker calling other women the C word, she just didn't want him calling her the C word. There is also reporting that Rupert Murdoch wanted Tucker fired because Tucker, and I wish I was making this up, was making Rupert Murdoch uncomfortable because Tucker, and I wish I was making this up, was getting a little too Christian Because that's when I watch Tucker Carlson, the first thing I think is, boy, that guy, what a Christian. Rupert Murdoch felt Tucker was developing a messianic complex and was cloaking himself in the uh, religious right, the Christian right. And that makes Rupert uncomfortable. He thinks it's unseemly beating up on the transgender community. Giving license to gun nuts to shoot up gay bars and black churches, that's fine with Rupert. But Rupert draws the line when you get a little too close to Christ. These people are messed up. These people are really messed up. You're listening to The David Feldman Show, you happy, self-actualized hump. It's time for Thank God It's Dr. Fraud. We, we finally, after several years, have come up with a title for your segment. Thank God for Dr. Fraud, who is the host of Capitalism Hits Home. It's not just in your head. She filters our neuroses, our paranoia, our fears, our anger through the prism of the economic system. We're all forced to live under And we're going to talk about the debt ceiling. Speaking of economic systems. But first, I have a crisis of faith that I want to run by you. And I'm being serious. Uh, I find God through the I vow Martin Buber. You find God in other people. That is where I have found salvation through other people. I know that it's not their fault that America dehumanizes all relationships, but I've lost faith. I I have lost my faith because there are very few people you can trust in America. They're self-dealers. They say they're your friends but when it comes to loyalty and making choices and i understand the pressures they're under is that what end stage capitalism does to people
1: i think that is what our society is like we you know we don't have a sense of collectivity our idea of freedom be free find yourself by yourself not be free in your relationships to people, in your connections to people in the world. It's the idea of the individual, you know, Thoreau, who sat out in the woods. His mother brought him lunch every day. He never mentions that.
0: And he had money. That family had he money. had
1: money to sit out in the woods. Not everybody does. Right. But this, you know, master servant of none, I am master of all I observe. That's crap. He's sitting out there. His mother's bringing him lunch. He's got... Money, we're all interconnected and we need to support one another. And the the myth of rugged individualism is stupid. It's just stupid. And people then choose number one. It was um, an editor at Barron's who said Americans make sheep look like rugged individuals. (laughs) America is a nation where you can steal an election in broad daylight. Mm -hmm. Without a word, you know, people go along to get along and get ahead and they're disconnected. And because they don't value connection, they don't pay attention to their connections and they can shaft you because they're not looking at the primacy of connection in their lives. Yeah. That's why their relationships fall apart, because they're basically seeing the other person as an extension of themselves and being betrayed when that isn't the case.
0: Being betrayed when that isn't the case. Yeah. Uh, It's not like this in other countries.
1: No, I mean, look, there's 4 million people in France together protesting about the pension because you have to work between 30 and 43 years to get enough hours to retire at 62 and Macron wants to make it 64 where he's still taking their participation in the pensions. They're still being taxed. And for women who are a big part of this demonstration, it's particularly terrible because although they give much more support to single mothers like all the Western Europeans do, women take time off from work or work part time in order to take care of family and put a primacy on that connection and so they're penalized, they have to work longer. And it's not 30 years, it's more like 43 to make up for part-time work. And you know, just like the United States, most part-time workers are women who have other duties or other connections they need to maintain. And so that in, they're, they're dumb that way, they are broken and they don't understand or show priority to friendships and connections and relationships with other people. And so, you know, they fail. That's our unions are starting to recognize that they need each other, that workers need each other or they're not getting anywhere. They right. go alone as rugged individualists to the boss. They just get fired.
0: Right, know? right. But we love, we I, as people who listen to the show know, both of us love the French. They're, a difficult people. We had a French Uber driver two weeks ago who said, uh, you help yourself with the, zilagage. I am not uh, going to live that. And I went, he's French. He's a King. Of oh. the union. Right. <laughs> I said, uh, and so we, we, uh, but he could not have been more delightful, but you know, uh, righteously rude. They raised the retirement age to 64 from 62. The French, as you said, four million are taken to the street. Good luck on the French Open and the Cannes Film Festival. The union said they're yeah. going to sh- they're going to shut the the electricity, the power down. And I, I got the chills when I heard that. I said, you know, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a member of the Writers Guild and we're on strike. And yes. uh, nobody's disconnecting Netflix or HBO. You
1: know, no, it's no la Well, the labor solidarity is huge there. Sophie Binet, I think she's the president of the CGT, the communist union in charge of the utilities and transportation. They turned off the electricity in the rich neighborhoods, but not the poor neighborhoods, because they were making a statement that it's only the rich that want them to work forever while they have the money to retire. That's
0: fantastic that they would do that. They would that they would find the distinction.
1: Consciousness. Yes, because they have a class bond the center for all the people that are protesting, whether they're climate activists or feminists or the equivalent of Black Lives Matter or you know, pro-Arab or sexual liberations, they recognize that class is the center of that umbrella. And the, the uh, parts that outreach and the webbing in between are all the different causes, but class, who rules? Who has the money and the power and who doesn't is the central pole because creating divisions between people is a capitalist specialty. Divide the people, first divide the women from the men by not allowing abortion and giving men more privileges. Then the black people from the white people and so on. And so, you know, we can't let that happen to us. And the French understand that. And the Americans don't. Since the McCarthy era and the discrimination against the left and the throwing out the left of the labor unions and making the AFL a sort of satellite of the State Department um, that supports dictators who abolish unions, but like Zelensky does actually. uh, But, you know, that we don't have that class consciousness
0: Right. And Harvey still- J.K. last last Friday night we had Professor Harvey J.K. on, and he's written extensively on British Marxist historians. Brilliant, brilliant professor. And he quoted somebody, and I I forgot the name, so people should go back and listen to the episode, that you have to keep asking for more freedoms. You don't accept the status quo that you have to always demand more democracy, not give an inch, but take an inch. And when you read about the French saying, no, the retirement age is 62. As Americans, we say, well, really? I mean, 64? We'll take that. And the French are teaching us, no, we don't give an inch. The The oligarchs have to give an inch. Lower to 60. They are not our friends, they are our adversaries, and and here in America, I saw Tim, Kane, who Hillary picked to be his uh, her vice president. He's a he's a disgrace, and during, uh, Christopher Smalls, the guy who founded the Amazon Union, was up before, Tim Kane's committee last year, and Tim Kane, Democrat from Virginia, says. You know, why can't we work as a team? Why can't, you know, Amazon is a good company. They're providing jobs in my district. Why why do, why do we have to have an adversarial relationship between unions and management? Because that's the dynamic. That's the way it has to be. Get out of the Democratic Party, Tim Kaine, if you don't understand that.
1: Well, it's the idea of exploitation that... First of all, Amazon would never hire you unless they made a lot more of their your labor right. than they give you. And they they we have Bezos taking himself to outer space with 500 million dollars and people are going from crisis to crisis, not even from paycheck to paycheck. Right. Because the pay is bad, the working conditions, they Amazon hurts more people than any other employer because the warehouse conditions are so bad. Right. And, his interest is in using you for more money for himself. That's not a team.
0: Right. That's I mean, these guys love these guys. You know, Bezos wanted to buy some team, I think, in D.C. They love owning football teams. Yeah. And if you say to them, hey, why does your team have to play against the, the, the Giants? Why can't they work together? Doesn't that's not how it is? You try to destroy the other side. You try t- to win, and until the until we what take it, we we, we can't. Nobody's going to give us permission to to.
1: Of course not. That's what revolution is about, and that's what mass strikes are about, and that's what strikes that are a strike of a whole society are about. That's what a general strike is, the recognition that it's our labor that create the world that the rich live in. And yet they have control because they have the money. Well, we have the mass. Unless we split apart, we have the masses and we can win. And the French understand that. So they're out in the street saying, we are the people and we, not I, one loan. But, you know, they're not the lone ranger." I remember this joke that was around when I was in high school about Lone Ranger and Tonto are galloping along together because they always have some indigenous, faithful sidekick. Right. And Lone Ranger sees and is alarmed and he says, Tonto, we are surrounded by Indians. And Tonto says, what do you mean, we, white man?
0: Yes, I remember that joke. What do you mean? That's
1: like the team. Uh, The Native Americans were not on the same team. Fifty five million of them were murdered. And that's the, you know, the conservative estimate. That's not team playing. Right. And, you know, that that ideology masks exploitation, masks the idea that it doesn't pay to to, uh, hire you. Unless they can rip
0: you off, right? And it's all about civ- it's all about civility. Uh, I want to get to the debt ceiling in a second, but I have been getting a twelve dollars a month charge for a service that I have been trying to cancel. Visa will not cancel this. You have to go to the company, and good. There's no place on the website to cancel it, and I'm trying, and it take. I could I'm not going to let twelve dollars a month go to the company. It right. just it's and, you know, wow. I guess a doctor would say to me, "It you shouldn't be this upset about this. But between the company that won't reverse the charges and my credit card company that keeps charging me and I have to call every month and I thought, I'm being dehumanized by yes. my visa people and the company that's exploiting me and they, the people on the other end of the phone or the or the chat that I have to do they're dehumanized and they may not even be human beings. Right,
1: they may be robots.
0: And at some point my I, I really had a like a An emotional, This I I thought, well, I know I'm talking to a human being on the phone. I know, I think I'm talking to a human being. But in a couple of months, will I know whether or not I'm talking to a human being with AI? And then I thought, if I could threaten to tar and feather somebody on the other end of customer service, if I could spend three hours uh, talking to a artificial intelligence and describing what I'm going to do to him, his mother, his family, his future children, uh, and just for four hours get to talk to a, 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 a chat bot and without the chat bot saying Uh, You can't talk to me this way. I need you to be civil. I may go all in on AI if I I can start to
1: really, you know, really, I end up having compassion for people because Emily Gindelsberger in her book On the Clock describes call center work. What you're trained to do is when people make a complaint, you tell them that the solution is the more expensive product. That's what you're rewarded for. Right. And your supervisor listens in and makes sure that you do that. And then you're evaluated at how much extra money you bring in. So you're not supposed to solve the problem. You're supposed to get more money from the company. And that's what they're doing. And they're working very hard, answering many phones at once. And they don't want to help you solve your problem. And they don't want to lose your $12. They want to sell you something more expensive. That's their job. And until you could organize the society so that the biggest employers aren't things like Amazon call centers, Walmart and fast food, which are all on the clock and all oppressed workers, then um, the person isn't going to treat you like a human being because she can't afford to.
0: I had I had an experience last year with my bank and I'm on the phone and I don't want to be the ugly American asking, is this, are you an American? I've done that before and I find I don't want to be that guy, you know, and I'm talking to a woman who is clearly not in the United States. I'm giving her my, per- my social security number, my mother's maiden name, name. Uh, the best man at one of my weddings, all the, and I hear a chicken and then a a rooster. And I, and I realize, oh my God, this is, I am talking to somebody on a cell phone. In
1: rural wherever.
0: Who is sharing a room with a rooster. And I start feeling like a horrible human being. Like, like an ugly American, and but I'm, you're
1: a cheated American. The thing is, right. you're, you're cheated, and so no, I'm, I become
0: the bad guy. They make me the bad guy for just wanting to get a charge reversed by hiring somebody who shares a hut with a rooster, which is, right. I guess, that's good.
1: Well, I don't know if it's good, they're probably paying them terribly, however. I find in talking with people, and look, I was on for an hour and a half because since my checkbook was stolen and I couldn't have social security sent to that check number. And so to change it, I had to be on, I had to call. There was no way except going there. Then there's a long line all the way there down, way downtown, and they may not get to you. So it's better to be on the phone where I can do something else for the hour and a half. But I found I do better with compassion. I said, my God, they must have you answering so many phones that it took an hour and a half. Right. Whoa, why don't they hire other people? And he said, it's not so bad for me. I'm older. At least I'm decently paid with seniority. But these young people are really getting hurt. And then I, I said, well, you know, I hate to be on this long line of haranguing callers, but this is what I need. And he did it. Right. And he said, I'm glad you didn't yell at me. I'm right. just doing my job. And I, I find compassion is more effective than getting angry at them because then you're just another angry American. You can say, my God, your working conditions are terrible. Right. That you have to cheat me here. You
0: no, know, I, I realize. I'm sorry
1: for both of us.
0: I realized I used to be a New Yorker. I moved to California, lived there for 30 years. I moved back here. I forgot that in New York, you get up and there's no hot water and you go to work without a shower and you and the subways are shut down. So you either take well, back in my day it was a gypsy cab or you walk and you showed up to work sopping wet and people go, that's eh, New York, you know. You roll with it. Today, I have a, a white towel that I put in the sink. I turn on the hot water and rust starts coming out of my pipes and permanently stains my beautiful new white towel. And I, I thought my head was going to explode. And then I remembered, oh, that's right. You're a New Yorker now that rusty pipes and things get destroyed and you can't sweat the little stuff. Anyway, the debt ceiling. What, what is go, what, what is going on with the, de- the debt ceiling?
1: The, well, what's going on with the debt ceiling is we are the biggest debtor in the world. And not only are we the biggest debtor, But the Republicans are threatened not to raise the the debt ceiling, but instead cut social services. And the Democrats are saying, no, extend the debt ceiling. And no one is saying, hey, we don't have to have a debt ceiling. How about not spending $840 billion on the military? How about reversing the $1.7 trillion tax cut that went to the rich? How about instead of Social Security tax ending at incomes of 160,000 and up, how about taxing all the way up to the gazillions that uh, the billionaires make? Right. Hey, how about not only taxing the property that lesser wealthy people own, like their car or their home, how about taxing their wealth, their stock and bond income? Whoa, how about really cracking down on the off? sure tax havens. Whoa, how about when you have people like Trump bragging he didn't pay taxes, having him arrested immediately? Wait a minute, what's off the the discussion, which is between cutting Medicare and cutting childcare and Medicaid and social security or being indebted? And being indebted is stupid. They shouldn't, they should raise taxes because the United States is going down. The year 2000, 70% of the world's currencies were held in dollars that they could do then, they bought treasury notes and then they could trade with each other. Well, now it's 45%. And all the BRICS countries are trading either with the Chinese renminbi or the yuan or their own currency. And there's 12 nations lining up to join them. Whoa, and how about it's not such a great idea internationally to say, well, maybe we'll just default on our debt. And treasury notes are going down as interest rates are raised so that these peoples are holding dollars that are less valuable. Uh Uh-oh, America's whole position is going down because we won't tax the rich. And I think it's important for us to know that because the discussion omits the whole idea of taxing wealth. It's bizarre. And there it is, right there. So that's what I want to discuss, my disbelief and outrage. You know, because I was pissed off at this, I looked at the inheritance taxes. In 19, I think it was 19, in the 1980s, you couldn't leave more than $600,000 to your children. The idea is people should have more, uh, even start of course they do right. but you know how much it is now tax free for a couple 25 million
0: To leave to to your
1: kids to your kids you could leave 25 million to this one and 25 million to that one and that doesn't count all the illegal crap they do leave each other right. gold that nobody traces leave you a, a Rembrandt they happen to have on the wall that is worth a gazillion dollars you know this there's been this big shift up to the to the money to the top. And so the whole discussion is between things that hurt America and hurt people who basically need the minimal social services we offer, and nothing about taxing the rich. Same thing in the New York taxes. What should we cut? Daycare? Libraries? Well, Hoschel and Adams both agree we need the rich. We want them in New York. Of course, you think moving to White Plains is exciting as living in Manhattan? No, they won't leave. They've got the money, but they can buy our congressmen. What happens
0: if what happens if they leave?
1: Well, if they leave, the whole place changes a little. Instead of services being mainly aimed at the top, they would be mainly aimed at the middle or the bottom. And we would look, it's not like we would probably end up with more tax money because the middle and the bottom are taxed more. But it's, it's crazy. Nobody's gonna leave their beautiful Park Avenue penthouse.
0: The the, the so the, 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 the jobs that the, the jobs that they provide downtown Wall Street, if they were to go away, you'd have these empty Buildings which are empty already. There's something like thirty-six trillion dollars in real estate assets that are about to default because of Zoom. Uh, we're, we're going to have to accept the fact that corporations uh, are not people and they're not real. They, they, they
1: no, they- they're not real. And also that we better tax the rich. You know, there are fifty-seven thousand units. 57,000 buildings that haven't paid their taxes or made their repairs. So if the city takes them, we can have affordable housing. If the city takes all those landlords that don't do the repairs, okay, there's buildings. And reasonable rents can enrich the city. Also, a person... Who wants to be in Manhattan and go to interesting restaurants and see the life of this city and go to the theater, even though it costs a fortune, and the opera, even though it costs an even bigger fortune, they're not going to move to White Plains or upstate New York. That would be too boring for them. They want to be entertained and use their money for that. Don't be silly. You know, it's that they don't want to isolate their donors. Right. Right bought by their donors
0: we're talking with dr harriet Franchi is the host of capitalism hits home and it's not just in your head you can hear her on wbai fm here in manhattan new york city on tuesdays at six thirty p.m we have some questions from our virtual studio audience and this is an interesting question from brian uh the surgeon general of the united states this week issued a report on loneliness. He says that Americans are chronically lonely and that it's shortening our lives. Yes. And Brian wants to know if she thinks people in France or the U.S. are lonelier.
1: Well, the people in the United States are far lonely, lonelier. Loneliness is equal to smoking 17 cigarettes a day. It's dangerous. There was an interesting um, experiment, which was so successful they discontinued it, where a woman got a grant to take over a single occupancy hotel and make small rooms for elder people on Medicare, and big collective rooms where there were movies, where there were joint activities. And so people weren't in their tiny little lonely cubicle, unable to walk to the park because it's dangerous and isolated. They found that the Medicare costs went way down because loneliness kills people and Americans are far lonelier. The book, The Spirit Level really goes over that. We are far lonelier because we're more isolated. In France, starting at three years old, you're in a good public daycare, okay? You start making bonds with the kids you'll be with probably until you're ready for school and then you'll be in an after school program that's free and then in the summer a pro- summer program that's subsidized so it can't be more than 15% of your income. So they're always together. They're not isolated and when you retire you join the retirees of the 13th arrondissement or the 20th arrondissement or whatever. Your i the idea of being French is to be connected to your union to your retirees group, to something. That alone you're not much. Whereas the rugged individualism, which is ridiculous, isolates people, and so they're terribly lonesome.
0: And we give them guns, we give them guns, and somebody knocks on my door, not not opens my door, somebody knocks on my door, I'm gonna shoot you, somebody drives up my road. I'm going to shoot you. Last question comes to us from Lenore, and then we have to wrap it up. OK. And this is a good way to end this. Well, it's never a good way to end a conversation with Dr. Fraud. But she wants to know if you've written any books and tell us about your podcast. How Lenore wants to know how she can listen to more of you.
1: OK, well, my podcast is Capitalism Hits Home, produced by Democracy at Work. And I also am on a podcast with Liam Tate and E. Coy hero called It's Not Just In Your Head, where we invite guests and talk to them about topics that have something to do with psychology, even though they're not the narrow band of psychology that's usually presented. And if people want to reach me, they could either go on my website, harrietbroad.com or Hbroad F-R-A-A-D, that is, at gmail.com and reach me.
0: So I'm not so hard to reach Well, I speak for everybody. I love you. Thank God for Dr. Fraud. We love you. Well,
1: I am really glad to be here. I think this is a great show, and I love your audience.
0: Well, it's great because of you. I mean that. Thank you, Dr. Harriet Fraud. Thank you.
1: It's great because of you, David. Thank you. Bye-bye.
0: You're listening to The David Feldman Show, you happy, self-actualized hump.